And so I remember that as I was dropping the weight, there were some signs that were scaring me in terms of what I was doing. Like I was actually weighing myself every single day. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave. Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just, just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Rosie. Now, Rosie, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? Okay, so my secret is that I am a 34-year-old who is addicted to peanut butter, Disney cartoons, and still sleeps with a baby lizard slash dragon soft toy. This is me in a (laughs) nutshell. I know. So this is the nutshell bomb. But really, today, the reason why I chose to offer, choose to offer my story to you um, is because I decided to look into some of the most significant events of my life through a magnifying glass that really took me on a journey from self-destruction to self-care and self-expression and self-love. And um, speaking of cartoons, I actually watched Moana again last night after, I don't know how many times I've watched it. And uh-huh. it really always captivates me how you know, this journey of this hero is really just showing the starting point of destruction to love again and to flourishing again. And, um, yeah. And so I think what really gets me of that story each time, besides all the, you know, aside from all the adventures and the monsters and the fantastical creatures is really how at the beginning we've got Tefiti who then, whose heart gets stolen and then it disappears completely, leaves room for these monstrous, destructive Tekka until the very end when Moana gives her heart back. And really the revelation is that Tefiti and Tekka were really the same person, um, <clears throat> just, you know, stripped out of their essence, their heart and the love that, mm-hmm. you know, made them appear that way. And so I I just wanted to mention this quote really to start telling my story Mm -hmm. about this journey. And it says, I have crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside you, but this is not defining you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. And so I just wanted to start, you know, telling my story of how I tried to really look at all the versions of myself uh, through my life and bring light, um, love and energy to all of them, regardless of what 
the distraction behind them was. Um, so yeah, basically, I reckon my my journey started when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and everyone saw me as this really big, shiny bundle of love uh, who had always food in her mouth, <laughs> laughing <laughs> with all my teeth showing, and never staying still. You know, my father used to call me. Um, monkey and wild goat. Oh my God, me too. My dad, my, my father used to say I was like a monkey. I would like jump on, you know, jump all over the walls, like a crazy monkey. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) I, and I think that's my essence, really. This is who I am and that is my essence and never changed. But then obviously there were some events that started cracking that beautiful essence like uh, moments of uh, body shaming mm. and uh, lack of self-confidence and uh, desire to control something that I couldn't see but was hurting from the inside out. What is, um, when you say lack of, uh, you said like shaming, the body shaming, did something happen? Did somebody say something or was it all internal? Um, I think it was a bit of both. So mm-hmm. I think the most striking event was uh, when I started to go through puberty mm-hmm. and I obviously my body was changing. Mm, curves were starting to appear and it's like wearing a different bodysuit. It literally feels like you're wearing something that is not quite yours. Yeah. And it felt really uncomfortable. And so because being from Italy, we used to go to Sicily, uh, where my family, um, relatives and extended families, um, were living at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and still some of them are there. And so obviously we were going to the beach and there were big feasts at the table. So before, you know, going through puberty, I didn't really care. I was eating whatever. And Mm -hmm. then my body started changing and naturally you put on that extra weight and it shows through your clothes, it shows through your bathers. And so I was like, Telling my mom, I don't want to go to the beach today. Like, I don't feel comfortable. And then you've got uh, periods uh, scares, you know, like, oh, my God, what if that happens while I'm at the beach and this is going to be embarrassing. So, you know, all of that started happening. But my mom always tried to comfort me and say, you know, if you want to wear this complete one piece uh, swimsuit, you can totally do that. That's going to make you comfortable. You can move with ease. And it's not going to be a problem. So that's how it all started. She gave mm-hmm. me this green swimsuit to wear. And I thought, okay, cool. I'll give it a go. And then little did I know that when I came out of the water, it was completely see-through. Oh, my God. No, that's like every young girl's worst nightmare. Right? Yeah. And so I just ran to, you know, where my mom was with the umbrella and just got covered with a bath towel. And I said, I'm not going into the water anymore. I'm not going into the water anymore. Aww. And, she, you know, look, she was so sweet. And obviously I was getting really, you know, when you go through puberty, a lot of changes happen. Hormones, the body, like I said, it's, it's really weird. Yeah, I think for men and women, it's very, it's, you, you don't own your body. Like you said, you, you're feeling all these things and you're not connected to what's going on. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's like, your child mind is still trying to 
come to agreements with mm-hmm. these changes and you're like, I just, I don't get it. Like, it's really weird. You feel like yeah. completely not in your own body. And so I remember seeing this photo. I still have it. It's crazy because all my other three siblings were jumping around the water in the photo. They were just smiling and super happy. And I was hiding between my two younger sisters, (laughs) holding my knees and with this super grumpy face. I was like, oh my God, I never forget that moment. It's crazy. And I think everything kind of spiraled from there. And then, um, I don't know, maybe this doesn't sound too bad for other people, but it really affected me. So you know, while you already are not feeling 100% in your body, mm-hmm. then you've got relatives or cousins that pay compliments to you about how beautiful you look and all of that stuff. But that didn't really help me. It made me feel even more ashamed and embarrassed. Right. Because you don't know what to do with that attention or that at the, in, you're feeling awkward inside and then you're getting this attention that's different from how you're feeling. So you don't even know how to interpret it. Yes, that's right. And also to me, because I didn't feel right, those didn't feel right. I was like, no, why are you telling me these things? I don't believe any of that. Mm. And it became really gross to hear those comments. And so, you know, I started wearing huge t-shirts, baggy clothes. And obviously that went on and on for years and years. Do you think it was that like, not the sexual energy from your cousins, but just that energy coming at you, you didn't know how to handle it. Cause I had that problem when I was younger too. Pe- older people started giving me this attention and it was like too much, like it yes. was, it was scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most likely it was a combination of things. Like you don't know how to handle those things. Plus you're receiving these weird comments. You're like, what are you trying to say? Like, I don't want that things. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely unrequited attention. You don't know what to do with that. Plus your hormones change. Plus you think, "Mm, what is really the intention behind that? So yeah, it all felt really weird. And it started playing up obviously with my emotions, with my mind and with that discomfort. So, um, but obviously going into school and seeing that I was the one covering up big times. And then I had all my classmates, even 10 year old girls, showing off their body, wearing super short skirts and male attention going to them Mm. and complimenting them or making sleazy comments because of that. I was like, oh my God, yes, yeah, I don't want to be involved in any of that. I'm I'm okay. I'm just going to keep covering myself up because that's the solution. Do you think since then you've been covering up your sexuality in general? Yes. And that's one of my other points as well, (laughs) because obviously, obviously that um, looked and felt and sounded so unhealthy for me at the time that it kind of kept on growing and growing into this massive fear of, you know, unveiling my sexuality in a way, because I thought, oh, I kind of don't want to, you know, it just didn't sit right with me that Mm -hmm. way. And so Obviously, you know, I kept really on for that for for a very long time wearing baggy clothes and trying to almost wear a cape or um, something that made me invisible. It's like like, a costume. It's like a costume you put on to like, you know, protect yourself from the world. Yes, I Mm -hmm. didn't want to be seen. Um, I just thought 
no attention is better than that attention. I just, I'm going to keep focusing on my studies, on being a good student. But I was really trying to pull up a facade that wasn't me anyway. Like it was me partially, but it really was hiding something bigger and more destructive that was happening underneath. It's so interesting you said this because I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but I had someone today mention that they did the same thing and they found themselves. And I'm not saying if you're listening, I'm not saying this is your story, but I have to ask it. Do you find yourself sexually anorexic? Like you don't put yourself in that place because it's too intimate. It's too much. You see feel too seen. It's just so you shut down that part of you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) That is so, yeah. And I'm still discovering and unveiling, you know, I feel like during that phase of my life, I've created all these layers of protection Mm -hmm. and I'm feeling like since my recovery, which probably started over 10 years ago, it's like taking all those veils off metaphorically yeah. obviously it doesn't mean that I'm removing clothes as I leave no it's peeling. <laughs> I, I say it's like peeling that onion you're going down the right. different layers yeah yeah totally and so I think what made me realize that there was something beneath that pile of clothes that was really hurting underneath is when you know a series of tragic events I would say tragic events but it's really mm-hmm. not that tragic if I look at at them now, you know, they, they feel a lot more tragic when they happen to you, of but course. then you put things in perspective and like, come on, probably other thousands of girls. Listen, no, it could, somebody's trauma or tragedy could be not as big as someone else and affect them more. So don't, mm. don't be saying your trauma is any less important than anybody else's. We get, yeah. we have trauma, you know, for me, I'm dyslexic. When I couldn't read in front of my mom, it was like the world was over. And if yeah. I say that story now, it doesn't sound that important, but it was a huge turning point in my life yeah. where I, it made me feel insecure and stupid. So don't totally. say that. I get it. I totally no. get it. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, At one point, I realized that I was really feeling I couldn't do anything with all that repressed energy. Like Mm. I was just focusing on finishing school and be an excellent student as much as possible. You know, I had pressure at home. Um, Well, not so much from my parents, but it was like a a self-reflective pressure of you know, not being able to express my creativity in any other way. I couldn't go out and do sports or I couldn't do dancing or I couldn't do anything creative to really find what my sole purpose was. Right. Because obviously, you know, being a very numerous family, I didn't want to ask my parents, oh, can you please pay for this course? Like, yes. So, you know, we still had other three siblings to look after. So I just thought, okay, well, I'll do what I can. But then, you know, I was really suffering inside from not having a direction other than going to school and be good at school and hiding myself again. Right, right. So a lot of things kept happening. I was overeating at the wrong time for the wrong reason. And that Mm -hmm. really was hiding a big, massive problem that came out when I was about 15 or 16 year old, when I started hearing comments about being chubby or being undesirable or Mm. being ugly 
And that's when it really hit me and I thought, okay, well, that's enough now. I really need to start changing because I can't keep doing this to myself. Right. And so I started making healthier choices. I started walking more during summertime when we had school holidays. I started asking my parents, you know, just don't come and pick me up. I'll walk home. It's fine. It's healthy. I just need to move. So, and they accepted. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sure. And then obviously I started becoming more interested about other recipes that were not the traditional Italian Mediterranean recipes like pastas every day, bread every day, meat every day. I just started kind of thinking, well, what I put in my body needs to also change if I want to make a change. But again, I was still focusing on the outside. Like even if I was changing the diet and the movement, it was still just an outside superficial thing. Right. It definitely changed the inside then because I started dropping weight and I started thinking that I felt better about myself. Uh-huh. But then that spiraled massively into um, <laughs> loss of, I don't know, I don't even know how to call it. Like I said in the email, I don't want to call it anorexia because I don't think it was, but I looked very emaciated on the outside. Yeah. And I, and, and I will tell you, I was anorexic and it didn't start where I was going to become anorexic. It was very healthy. It was, I started to work out. I started to, you know, eat healthier. And then I started, the weight started dropping and then you feel more confident and you're like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to feel. And I want more of this. So you do more Mm -hmm. of it and you restrict more and you restrict more. And it's, it t- turns into that. Everything you described in your email, it was funny if you're listening, I wrote back, I would love to talk about your anorexia. And you were like, what? That's not anorexia. Like, yeah. And I was like, um, um, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but- yeah, I know. It was crazy because like I said, I always ate salads or whatever, you know, like, but I think even though it wasn't showing as such in what I was eating, it was Mm -hmm. definitely a battle in my head. It was a constant messy jail inside. Yeah. Where you're like, did I eat too much? Should I have not had this? That's right. Wait, now I need to restrict my next meal a little bit or I need to go on a walk. You know, like it's a constant battle going on in your head. You're fighting yourself on a daily basis. Yeah. And again, that was, I was trying to fix something, but destroying another thing and really not getting to the core of my issue, which was that lack of self-worth or lack of self-confidence or not having nurtured the process of growing into a woman with love, you know, but with fear instead. And so I remember that as I was dropping the weight, there were some signs that were scaring me in terms of what I was doing. Like I was actually weighing myself every single day. Okay, there you go. That is a definite sign. A normie is what I call a normal person, if you're listening. Like a normie what doesn't do that. They don't check their weight every day. I did the same thing. I would actually do it in the morning and then at night. Okay, (laughs) yeah. No, I would only do it in the morning. But yet, absolutely, that's the thing. See, I'm still hiding. I'm still in denial. Like I'm... (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm like coaching you like, no, that's a form. (laughs) Hey, listen, the only reason we can talk about this is to bring light to this darkness that we hide, that we're ashamed of. I Mm -hmm. was so ashamed that I turned anorexic. I was like 104 pounds at 
five, oh gosh. five, seven and a half. How low did you get? Yeah. Oh, I got to 47 kilos. And mind you, which I don't know what it is in pounds. I'm sorry. It's I'm, okay. I don't either. 47 we'll just... kilos. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. I don't wow. know. I guess. How tall are how, you? I'm 1.67 meters. One we don't know. We're in oh two God, different countries. This is we'll the, figure the, it I know out. it's so crazy. Yeah, uh, maybe five or something. Okay. Less, less, slightly less. I don't know. It's okay. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, so yeah, um, look, I have big bones in general. <laughs> so I do. I do. I really do. And so I thought... That sounds like me. Kilos. I was like, I have swimmer shoulders. I look really broad <laughs> in the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's all healthy. No, but that's the thing. So I just kept lying to myself and I kept lying to my mom. I said, mom, but see, I'm eating everything. I'm eating healthfully. And my mom was like, Rosie, you've lost your periods for 18 months. Oh, you're constantly worrying about food. You're constantly asking me about this and that. Right. You just have to admit it. You've got a problem and you need to solve it. We need to go to the doctor. And I just kept saying, no, 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 no. You know, I'm just stressed out. I was finishing high school. Um, I didn't go into university straight away, but I wanted to, you know, be a bit more independent and find a job and then figure out what I wanted to do. So, and then my father got sick in the meanwhile, you know, he got cancer Mm -hmm. and he's fine now. He's under check. But, you know, that was also another big stress. Another big yeah, you know, and and so I realized that there were so many little things that were keeping, you know, like it was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, like I think the fact that I looked emaciated was yeah. really the tip of the iceberg of what really was going on inside, which was a huge, huge tangled mess yeah. of things that I hadn't spoken about or that I hadn't really dealt with, with the right amount of care and compassion and empathy. And so, you know, I remember crying in the bathroom saying to my mom, I don't know how to leave anymore. Like, I'm so sick of having these thoughts. I'm sick yeah. of having to try to control everything. Um, and, you know, my mom at one point said, you know what, let's make the first move. Let's go to the doctor get you checked and let's take steps to get at least your periods to come back. Yeah. And then that's so dangerous as a woman too. Yeah. I'm glad your mom said that. Yeah. No, she's always been super, uh, you know, attentive about these things. And, and she said, you know, if you don't want to call it anorexia, fine, but we still need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And I think as we spoke about that on the email, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, I never wanted to call it that because I thought I'm not sick. I'm just going through some so much stuff that I have to solve, and I don't even know where to start. Yeah, it's you. And you then, just it is like the only thing you can control in your life. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so after that, sorry, I'm starting to get a bit emotional. Now we get. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. It's okay. Um, but I think um once. I started taking the steps, then, you know, I just became a bit more aware mm-hmm. of go slow and steady. You don't have to solve it all right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still sorting out some issues, you know. Um, yeah. And I think 
once I started going to university and really knowing what I wanted to do with my life, and I just started finding really what my passions were, mm-hmm. what my purpose was, and what I really wanted to achieve. It took me 10 years, you know, yeah, to be where I am now, but I think slowly, slowly, and I'm not done yet, you know. I'm no, we're never yet. done. We're never, we're never done. done. <sighs> um, but I feel like I'm definitely a lot more aware and I'm definitely more conscious about the steps that I need to take to, you know, be with that teenager and talk to that teenager as an adult version of me to say, you know, it's okay. If you want to hide, hide, but then know that you, you don't want to stay in there too long. Yeah. Because you can get lost in there, in, in the yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is about getting lost sometimes. And, you know, it's okay as long as you are still holding a torch and see the road and the light to get back to who you really are. Yeah. And so it took me a long time, but I'm here. I'm, I'm on the journey. I think positive choices that I've made <clears throat> to come out of it and really own what I was eating was Mm -hmm. becoming vegan five years ago. Okay. Which was really great because I felt I was really happy with the choice that I was making and my body was feeling very grateful and thankful for the choices that I was making for myself. Mm -hmm. Obviously I started meditating and exercising and doing body combat or running and all of those things really were not, were no more a way to escape from the problems and lose weight, but it was more allowing the journey of discovery, allowing the great feeling of feeling your body moving with a purpose, with the intention of really recovering rather than destroying yourself again. You know, it was serving yeah. the purpose of discovering and rebuilding rather than take more, take more weight off your body, take more weight off your body. Like the weight didn't have to be physical, but it had to be emotional. So it's like, I wanted to strip off something of my body that was really energetical and start again. Yeah. I think, I think if we wanted to put it as a metaphor of the weight loss is never just physical. It's like, you want to get rid of something, but you can't do it yourself because it's too much to remove layers inside of you know, fear and disgust and shame and all of that. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. It's harder to do it on the inside. So you go, oh my God, it's 20 times harder. It's a thousand times harder. It's so hard Mm -hmm. to dig deep and see why we do these things where we want control over our life. And you know, what really helped me when I was in the throw of of my anorexia. If -hmm. you're out there and you're struggling, two things really helped me and I haven't spoken about them and I want to share them with you. But when I got to my thin weight, someone took a picture of me and I saw the picture and I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm so teeny. So that was a really big, and a lot of places do that. They take pictures so you can actually, because your, your vision of yourself is so distorted. Totally. Sometimes you have to see it from a different lens. Mm -hmm. so that really helped me and then the last thing you know 
especially since you are still kind of struggling and, and coming through all this emotional stuff you're going through and letting go of this control aspect, I kept thinking, am I going to be on my deathbed? And I didn't allow myself to live. I didn't allow myself to have that piece of bread and then, you know, yes, go on a walk, but not like obsess about it. And it just really put it in perspective for me. Yeah. Yeah. And years and years of therapy and all that stuff. Like it's, it's, but those were the first things that really got me to be like, I have to change. I can't keep living like this anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I actually remember I've got photos where I was like, gosh, you can tell whatever you like, but you were absolutely non-existent. Like there was nothing on me and I can't believe. Yeah. Yeah. I was just completely, you know, doing things, but inside I was like feeling that there was still something missing. And I think what was missing really was that love, compassion, and purpose. And like, what am I doing with my life? And I think I love, I love, um, I can't remember who said that, but don't die with the music inside of you. Oh, I've never heard that. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is beautiful. And it's like, yeah, no, I need to express all of this somehow. And so, you know, years ago, then I realized that I am an artist and I am a creator and I'm also an actress and I am a writer and so and I am a teacher so Mm -hmm. I was like okay I can see all of this now happening and and that really defining who I was at the core Mm -hmm. was what helped me rebuild from the inside out oh I love that finding your purpose and your passion yeah because I had none so I was trying to find it by looking good outside which I never felt like I did anyway. Yeah, Yeah, it's like empty. It's an emptiness. I do have a question for you, and I really want to get to this question. Yes. Who do you think keeping this eating disorder, I'm going to call it, you can call it what you want, but who do you think it it harmed and who did it benefit? Okay, so it definitely harmed a a stage of me and a stage of my family Mm because what was creating was divide. I did not want to talk about it. Or if I did, it was just a hit and miss with my mom. But Mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk about it openly. I didn't want to admit that I had a problem because I thought my problem is not important at the moment. There's so much more on the plate. I don't Mm. need to tell anybody about that. We don't need to solve that now. It'll sort itself out. So I think what created was divide because now I tell everything to my family. Like I share everything, absolutely everything, especially because we're so far away from each other and we don't see each other every day. Mm-hmm. I feel the urge and the need to share absolutely everything with them. I even told them that I was going to be on the podcast with you. Oh, I love talking that. about this. <laughs> talking about this, you know. Um, but back in the days, we never recognized it as such. Like, it, so I think it created it created a divide. It created lack of communication. It created mm-hmm. anger um, and impatience in me and. You know, I wasn't really my full self. So it definitely harmed me and my family. 
And then my last but, question. Oh, there's oh, a sorry. but. No, no but. go what, do no, the no, but. No, but. No, but what you said, do the but. <laughs> um, but. But what you said, who benefited, I think it benefited my growth, my self-expression and my self-expansion. Mm. I think if everything had gone smooth, I wouldn't have the depth of realization, the depth of expansion that I have now. So even though it hurts to talk about that sometimes because it's very vulnerable, yeah, I feel like talking about it really does help, especially because every time I kind of expose myself in that regard, in that regard, it really shines a light into a different corner mm-hmm. or, a, you know, different face of the prism. Um, so it's like, oh, talking about this with you, who I have never spoken to before. And I'm so glad I'm doing this now. It's like, oh gosh, you're helping me see other parts or talking yeah. about this in a different light is really helping me see these other parts. So it's like, obviously nobody wants to go through conflicts. Nobody wants to go through uh, problems, challenges, diseases, or anything, but they really are helping you go stronger, helping yeah. you on the journey of self-awareness. Like, I don't know if everything was given to me and everything was just always fine. I probably wouldn't have the strength that I have today in talking about this and knowing who I am a little bit more. I'm still learning who I am every day, but I am totally recovered from that. I still have other challenges to deal with, especially, you know, um, the sexuality discover part, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. still not completely fully comfortable with that. Um, and I'm saying this very openly, even though like, well, um, but yeah, like that part, I'm happy with what I'm eating. I am not checking on anything. I have put on weight, obviously, because that was healthy. I have been, you know, exercising, but without obsessing over it, just because, like I said, it's aiding the strength, like mental strength, emotional strength, physical strength. And um, I think I'm so glad that I'm outside of that jail because it literally felt like a jail. It It is a jail. jail. It's a jail. And but I have to tell you. I feel the most amazing human beings are the ones that have gone to the darkness and come out into the light. There's something about somebody surviving that internal battle that I just love them even more. And Mm. and I can hear that when you're speaking. But yeah, that sexual anorexia side definitely should be looked at because the last thing you want to do is not be intimate or have that connection with another human being absolutely but my I do have one more question before I let you go so now that you said you moved through it and if somebody's listening they're struggling with that inner voice that is you know restricting weighing themselves all that stuff hiding themselves what would be your advice for them well I would definitely talk to somebody about this yeah openly mm-hmm. um choose a person that they trust as their you know guardian angels i guess um <laughs> and really just talk to them without shame about every single thing that they're feeling in their body um and don't be scared to go deep into the dark disgusting side of it all 
because I've got the feeling because we're all humans and we all share this. It's not about losing the weight, but it's about loosening the tension inside the body of what is holding back the highest purpose within Mm. us. So only when you talk about it and you strip that away from you, then you really see who you truly are. So Yes, we go through the nasty bits of hating ourselves or not liking ourselves. We've got these monsters attacking us in forms of thoughts or in forms of words, hurtful things that other people do to us. But at the end of the day, they're just tests for us to really see, okay, I really need to put my own heart up my sleeve and really see who I am through this because anorexia is not who I was. There was more to them. And that's why. Also, Moana's song really is uh, striking for me because whatever you go through doesn't define you. And I think back in the days, I was scared to say that I had anorexia in some sort or form because I was scared that that was going to define me and I didn't want to be defined by that. Wow. So I think, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, that's not who we are, who we are. Your disease, your disorder, your mental health status is not who you are. Everything passes as long as you give them time to express themselves and talk openly as they are. Even though they sound ugly and they sound messy and they sound, they don't make sense. Just, I think, write, create in any form, draw. I've drawn a lot of dark figures to let that darkness come through. Mm-hmm. and out of me rather than keeping it stuck inside. So I think, yeah, what well, I would suggest definitely talk, write, draw, go out, move it out, talk to the trees, something that, you know, if you don't want, yeah, that's the other thing. If you don't want to talk to somebody, talk to the wind, talk to the tree, let it out. Don't keep it inside in a cage. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey with us. Thank you for listening. <laughs> And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.